Well, hey, everyone, welcome to the Pursue God podcast. I'm Pastor Brian, joined in the studio today by Pastor John Bellis, Pastor Eric Sidrud. Guys, today we're going to talk about week six in our 12-week discipleship track called The Pursuit. People want to find the resources for this, to talk about this with your family, with your small group, or in a mentoring relationship. You can find it all at pursuegod.org forward slash go. And John, this today's topic is, I like the word you've used for this. It's the most pivotal topic of all the topics, of all 12 topics. Explain what you mean by that. Yeah, because what happens with how we respond to the truth in today's lesson determines where we go from here. So uh, it's not that it's the most important necessarily, but it really is the most pivotal in the sense it determines the direction we go from here. Yeah, everything pivots on what we talk about today because we're going to talk about making a response to all the things we've already been learning from the Bible, especially week four a couple of weeks ago, and then week five last week. Who is sin, or what is sin, who is Jesus? So today we're going to talk about how to personally respond in faith. And if you're listening today, and you have never responded in faith to Jesus, maybe you're listening today and you'd say, I don't even really know what that means, what you just said right there. Well, good, keep listening. But there might be some people listening today who would say, I'm not really actually sure. You know, it's it's one thing to go to church your whole life. It's another thing to be a Christian. And we're going to talk about the difference today. So just because you, you have called yourself a Christian, or maybe if you're taking a standardized test in high school and you mark Christian as your religion, that's not the thing that saves you. How you identify publicly or what you call yourself to someone of another faith, Right. We're going to talk about how you can personally start a relationship with God. This is also known as how to become a Christian. Today's topic is how to become a Christian, Um, how to respond in faith. What are some other names for this maybe that people would have heard of before? Being born again. Yeah, I would say getting saved, becoming a believer. Um, We call it, a lot of times in our resources at Pursue God, we call it getting to your defining moment your defining moment of faith, that again, that pivotal moment where you cross over from death to life. Because remember, it doesn't take a lifetime of good works to be saved. It happens in a moment, in a single moment. And today, we're going to talk about how to get to that moment. So we don't want this to be a heady conversation, although we're going to cover a lot of ground today. We're going to see a lot of scripture. We want this to be really a responsive conversation. We want to make sure that people listening to this at the end of this podcast episode can respond in faith to Jesus if you've never done that before. But we've got some ground to cover before we do that. And I think it's important to um, start with kind of a review of where we've been in the first five weeks. And I'll start with this first point, that out of love— God sent Jesus into the world to solve our sin problem, right? So that's, that's a good summary of where we've been for the last five weeks. God loves us. He made us in, in his image. He, he did something about it. He sent his son into the world, Jesus, which we talked about in the last episode. And he did, he did, he did all of this to save us, right? First John 4, 9 says it like this. It's a good summary verse. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world, that we might have eternal life through him. Yeah, I think it's important to remember that it it's out of love. It's not out of obligation. God didn't owe us anything. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. He didn't need anything from us. It's not like God needed us to accomplish something he couldn't do on his own. It was simply 
out of the loving nature mm-hmm. that he has. Yeah, and I would just, you know, kind of sum up if we take a look at the last two lessons combined with this lesson, it's like it's its own little module about trusting Jesus. You know, first we talked about the problem, um, which is sin, the solution, which is Jesus, and then today is how we're going to respond to that, because that's all information, that was all theology that we've kind of walked through up until this point. Right. And we're, what are we going to do with that theology now? There's, and, and for us today, as we're talking, I use this all the time, faith is kind of an action word. It's not just, it's not just some kind of mental assent, mm-hmm. but we've actually got to make some decisions, make some commitments, surrender to the information that we've got to. I know we're going to talk about that in just a little bit, but this is really... Uh, a, a really good recap as a first point. Well, yeah, I, you know, we like to. We here's a good way to break down saving faith, which is what we're talking about: getting saved, being born again. However, you've heard it, saving faith requires two things. It requires the right information on one side of the coin, but then it requires the right attitude. It took us a, a while to think about the right word for this. What's what's the what's the other word we want? And we, we came up with the word attitude. That's probably the best way to describe it. The right information isn't enough, right? The, de- the Bible says that the demons have the right information about who Jesus is. In fact, and last they shudder. Yeah, and they <laughs> shudder. They, that, that's yeah. right. They shudder. Last week, one of the verses we looked at, I think it was in Luke 4, it said that you know, Jesus cast out some demons, and then the demons said, you are the Son of God. But the demons aren't saved. So you can your head could be filled with all kinds of the right information about who Jesus is, you know, the, the verse we just shared a minute ago, that God loves us, that he sent his son into the world to save us. You, could, you can say, I agree, I agree, I agree, I agree. Check, 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 check. And yet you can still not be saved because saving faith requires more than the right information. It also requires the right attitude. And the biblical word for that, and this is a churchy word, the biblical word for that is repentance. And, and we see it actually in Acts chapter 2, verses 37 and 38. This is Peter's, right after Peter's very first sermon. You know, last week we looked at Peter's sermon to Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, and Cornelius came to faith and his whole family did. This week I want to go back to Peter's very first sermon in Acts chapter 2. He preaches about Jesus. It's a much simpler sermon than what we saw in Acts chapter 10, but the Bible says in verse 37 that Peter's words pierced the hearts of the people who were listening, and they said, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. So there it is. What I love about that verse is it shows us the attitude. So these guys just heard all this information about who Jesus is from Peter, but it didn't just stop at information. They weren't just like, sign us up for this class. This is great. We want to learn more. They said, no, what should we do? You could see that there was a heart change, mm-hmm. and, and the word for that is repentance. That's why Peter said, repent and turn from your sins. Turn from your old way and turn toward God in faith. That's kind of an attitudinal response. Yeah, actually, the, the Greek word for repentance is metanoia, metanoia, and so to break that word down, what it, what it really means is to change your mind. Think of like metamorphosis, right? That, that's the changing of something. And then think of paranoia. That's like a, a problem with the mind. You combine those two root words together. You've got a changing of the mind. So something happened in their heart, but now they need to change the way that they think and live, basically. Change mm-hmm. the way that they feel about life and... Um, 
surrender to a different way other than the way that they've believed in their whole lives. And this cutting to the heart that happened is, is Jesus has come to die for our sins, and it's by faith alone, through grace alone, and some of these guys have believed in another way, a different way, you know, a religious way, a following the rules way, and, and so in this sermon, you know, the Holy Spirit really works in these guys' hearts, and they finally get to this point of, like, epiphany. They understand, they have this, this internal knowledge that is changing them from the inside out, and they're saying, I have to do something about this, with this information that you've shared with me, uh, something's happening in me that I've got to now do something about, and that's the doing of faith, not to get confused with working or, or works, but the doing of faith is I've got to do something about my life, and that means maybe I've got to change it. Okay, but let me, make, let me put a finer point on this, because I want to make sure people don't misunderstand this. We're going to get to this. Because we're saved 100% by grace the mm -hmm. moment we trust Jesus for salvation. Right. We're not saved by what we do. So I want to make sure that people don't misunderstand, Eric, what you're saying. The, the, the real change was the attitude that was reflected in their statement, what should we do? They haven't done anything. I just, everybody needs to know something. They haven't mm -hmm. done anything. You, you, God doesn't save you once you've done a few things. But what's imp repentance is the heart attitude that leads to the fruit of repentance. So repentance is a change of mind. It's a change of heart. It's a change of attitude. And it eventually leads to the fruit of repentance. But God doesn't wait to declare you saved until after you've done the fruit, right? Until you've after, after you've done works. It's really important for people to understand that the reason the reason we know that is because Ephesians 2, 8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. So again, let's apply that Ephesians 2 verse back to the Acts 2 verse. They said, what should we do? And Peter said, repent and believe. And so they did. And they had they didn't do any good works yet. They didn't, they didn't stop kicking their dog. They didn't <laughs> stop yelling at their spouse. They didn't start, start tithing to the church. All these things that are good things to do, they didn't do any of that. They were saved immediately, though. Right, John? Correct. Yeah, and I think Paul knew how tempted we are to want to take credit for things. I think that's the reminder that it's 100% by God's grace so that no one could boast. You know, Paul talks about before he had the encounter with the risen Jesus how he used to boast a lot about his self-righteousness. He mm -hmm. was a Pharisee of Pharisees, a Hebrew of Hebrews. But after his encounter with the risen Christ, he recognized that all that was rubbish, he calls it, that it, it was, he was saved the moment he believed in Jesus and who Jesus said he was. Yeah, you know, I went to a church years ago, my home church, we did it, they did a big drama, a play, and a bunch of people would come forward after the play because it was like, I think it was called Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. So it was a really scary, like, it scared everyone straight. So all these people were coming forward because they didn't want to go to hell. Well, I was an altar counselor, which means I was up there praying with these people and helping them do what we're talking about today, helping them respond in faith to Jesus. And I noticed with a, with a couple of guys in particular, as I was praying with these, ask, talking to these guys, I said, why did you guys, why'd you guys come up? And they said, because we don't want to go to hell. I said, okay. Well, do you know who Jesus is? No, who's Jesus? <laughs> They didn't have the right information. Right. And the more I talked to them, the more I realized they didn't even have the right attitude toward God. They didn't have this attitude, like you said, Eric, where they said, we, what should we do? Like, I want to, I want to, ch I'm changing my mind. I'm changing my attitude. Essentially, I want 
Jesus to be Lord of my life now. Mm-hmm. And these guys weren't there at all. They just didn't want to go to hell. And so the reason I bring that up is because some people might be listening to this and you're saying, am I ready to make a response of faith to Jesus? I would say, is your attitude like the attitude of those hearers in Acts chapter 2? You know, maybe you've, you're on week six now of this series. Maybe you're going through this series with someone who's discipling you. And the question that you and your mentor need to ask is, are you, do you have the heart attitude that says, I want to turn in faith to Jesus? And that's a question I think you should really consider. Would you say that you're aligned, you know, you've, you, would as, you would assent, you know, intellectually, you'd say, yes, I agree with everything you've said. Jesus died for me. Jesus. But is your heart attitude to say, I want to go his way now? Like, I want to go his way. Because if it's not, John, I would say they're probably not yet ready to make a response of faith. Yeah, I think you're right, Brian. It's interesting that even in this kind of abbreviated sermon that Peter gives compared to the one you mentioned to Cornelius's family, he still gives the right information about Jesus. He, he yeah. still says Jesus was fully man, yep. fully God in that. He says that your sins put him on the cross, basically, and that's why they were pierced. Yeah. So I think that right information about, wait, my sin, my sin, no one else's, mm. put my Savior on the cross, that's what leads me to have the right attitude. That's what breaks me. That's what, that's what pierces my heart, to use the words that, mm-hmm. that, that we use in this passage. I remember as plain as day, vividly, when I was eight years old, in the Sunday mor- uh, Sunday evening worship service at the church where I grew up, and, and just that right information about my sin and who Jesus was, and realizing that my sin drove the nails into the hands of Jesus, man, I was broken. Mm-hmm. I was undone. Mm-hmm. And so th- that made me respond with the right attitude. And you know, the Bible says it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. So even in that, the Holy Spirit is taking the lead. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit softening our hearts, bringing us to a place where we can even respond. Mm-hmm. Because think of what think of what Peter is saying to the crowd. These are they're described as devout Jews who had come from all nations under heaven to celebrate Pentecost. And he's basically saying, You and your esteemed religious leaders, you blew it. You missed it. The, the Messiah you've been praying for and hoping for you for generations. Yeah. He was here mm-hmm. and you didn't recognize him, you killed him. Wow. So without the spirit moving in their hearts, it would have been fighting words. It wouldn't have been repentance. That's really when I, what I wanted to hit on, is that sal- the salvation moment is more than just some kind of uh, logical understanding. It's actually a, a miracle. Hmm. It's a miracle that happens in people that we don't even quite understand. I mean, uh, even theologians have argued for uh, hundreds of years, maybe even thousands, about how does it work? How does salvation work? At what point, you know, did God step in and change my heart and help me? You know, there's this verse uh, in Acts 11, as we're talking about repentance, where, you know, as we learned last week, the Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles, and it was like a, a symbol that, wow, God's now opening, opening up the faith past the Jews now to the whole world. And in, in Acts 11, they responded, and it says, well, then God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. And so that with that wording there, there's like a granting mm-hmm. a, that God is giving them the, even the ability to, to be able to know that their sins are wrong, that, so that they could repent, so that they could turn. It's a, it's a miraculous moment, um, and if you are blessed enough to have it, I know, I know you know what I'm talking about. And, and why we're talking about it today is because 
we want everybody we come in contact with to have this defining moment, as we call it all the time. We want people to trust in Jesus. The problem is sometimes, you know, a lot of people don't, and it, it really hurts, you know, but it doesn't stop us from doing what we're doing. And Jesus said, you know, we're going to be rejected a lot of times, but we still want to go out and challenge people to make a decision, to understand that they're sinners, and to commit. I, I would also use the word surrender. It's like a surrendering to Jesus not your works anymore, but by by faith, by faith in Christ alone. You know, the Reformers talked about it as, as we're talking about the Ephesians 2 verse, that it's a gift from God so that no man can boast. You know, the Reformers talked about it's by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone. Uh, how, we need to come to the understanding that is still the right information that we need to have mm-hmm. for that saving faith. Because if we put the works on ourselves, or if, if it is something that we need to do to get saved, we still don't have the right Jesus, and we got to go back. Well, yeah, and I, you know, when you were sharing that about it's a, that it's a miracle, and it really is a miracle, I, I want to say something to the person out there who is the mentor, the person who is talking through this topic with someone who's who's new to this and maybe is preparing to respond in faith. That's a really important moment, you know one of the things you have to do as a mentor is you have to help that person to decide if they're re- if this is if they're ready for this moment and i don't want to overcomplicate that i just i do think it's important though that again go back to acts 2 that their heart that they're like i want to i want to go god's way i i do believe this stuff i do want to respond to this stuff god is revealing himself to me i remember years ago talking to a friend um over breakfast and I'd been discipling him for a few weeks and we got to this topic and and I and I read a verse we're about ready to read and and as soon as I got done reading it he says I want that and that to me that was that was such a clear sign that his he had the right attitude we had worked a few weeks to get the right information cuz you know a lot of people have the wrong Jesus a lot of people fail to understand the, the gravity of their sin, which is why it's so important that people have to understand 100%. That's a technical term there. 100% we're saved by grace. 0% your works, 100% grace. So if, if you're sitting here saying you, you, you think you have the right information, but you still think you can save yourself even a little bit, then you're not ready. You're not ready. So you have to have this heart of repentance, this attitude of repentance, this attitude of complete 100% dependence upon Jesus for your salvation. Otherwise, there's a little self-righteousness mixed in and that won't work. And if you could say check to those two things, then I think you can move forward and, and accept Jesus, become born again, become a Christian, get saved, all these words that we use, right, for what we're talking about today. And we're almost there. We're going to help you mm-hmm. do that. We're almost there. But I've got, there's a couple more things to say about it. I think it's important because there's another group of people listening to this saying, the, the 100% Jesus is not my problem. My problem is not thinking I'm, I'm righteous. My problem is not thinking I can do something. My problem is thinking that God would want me. My problem is thinking that, that, that God could save someone like me because I'm so broken and I, and I feel like maybe I'm excluded from all these verses that you're, that you're sharing with me today. I just want you to hear this. Biblical Christianity is simultaneously the most exclusive faith in the world and the most inclusive 
faith in the world. John, what do we mean by that? How, how Break that down. Why, how is it exclusive and how is it inclusive? Well, it's exclusive because Jesus said clearly that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through him. It's, it's our only solution to our sin problem. It's not a religion. It's not a list of rules. It's a person, the person of Jesus Christ. There's, there's no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. But it's also the most inclusive because regardless of your race, your nationality, your gender, your socioeconomic status, regardless of how bad you've messed up in the past, the people you've hurt, the things you've done, you can be made right with God by placing your faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. Yeah, that's the verse, Romans 3.22. You just read the first part of it. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. So, Eric, you've you've uh, you've said on this podcast many times before you've you've you're famous for singing for sinning, and mm-hmm. um, you know a couple of weeks ago we had that sin the sin topic, and you were talking about how on that list you you can check off every single one of those. So, is there someone out there that this doesn't apply to? Is there someone that has gone too far? Maybe another way to ask that is: Is there an unforgivable sin? That they've gone too far. Sorry, God's grace can't reach them. Well, I guess I would say that the only unforgivable sin is unbelief. We can't get to heaven. We can't get saved without faith, as we've already talked about. And so beyond that, no, God can reach the farthest depths of sin in the world. He's everywhere. He's got the power to change people from the inside out. If you, you know, just read the Bible... Every story of every person he saves is in a pretty dire situation. Someone is, is, is caught in some uh, major sin or struggling with, with something, and it, it always takes, as we talked about in the last point, it always takes a miracle uh, by God and, and through the person of Jesus Christ to save a person anyway. So what better person to save than the one who really, truly, it's obvious that they need a miracle to be saved. You know, yeah, in my own life, I mean, I my sin took me to places I never wanted to go, you know, deep in addiction and, and you know, hurting people. And I think the world would say, yeah, yeah, those people are really far from God, you know, like they're they're going to have a hard time making it to heaven. That's the that's the way that just humanity thinks. Like every religion out there other than Christianity is based on how you live and works which gets you to heaven, but my life changed. I had this repentance moment and I I mean I repent all the time, but I had this change of mind repentance moment when I understood that Jesus actually came to save people like me you know, a, a sinner. And, and there's a story in the Bible that talks about, you know, those who've been forgiven little love little, but the, you know, I guess the contrast to that is true. Those who've been forgiven much love much. And so I've been forgiven of a lot of things and it really impacted my heart so much that, that my life changed dramatically, drastically. And that's what I would call what repentance is, is not really you know, you know, works that I'm trying to do, but really evidence that, that God did a miracle in my life and he, he caused me to be born again, like what we talked about. And yeah, I, I didn't fit in with a lot of the religious people that I grew up with my whole life, but 
now I probably wouldn't fit in with them either, but on the opposite <laughs> side, you know, probably more holy than they are, but not in my own righteousness, but just the, the righteousness that I have of Christ's now that rests on me because of my faith alone in him, he saved a wretch like me. Amen. Okay, so let's... Yeah, I was just going to say, Brian, I, I can just imagine somebody is listening today and, and the enemy, the devil, is whispering to them, no, you're the exception. I think that's just common. And I, and I would just remind you that everyone means everyone. <laughs> there, mm. is, there is no exception. And, and look at who wrote this. Paul was a religious terrorist mm. who killed people before he encountered the risen Jesus. So if God would want to save him, he's going to want to save you. Yeah, Paul called himself the chief of sinners, mm-hmm. right? right. And, and yet Paul uh, was not just saved, but used in a mighty way by God in his life. So I think we're ready, guys, to get to kind of what this whole lesson is about. And again, this is an opportunity for people listening. If you are not certain, if you're not sure, if you have ever trusted, personally trusted Jesus for salvation, we want to give you an opportunity to do that in this episode. And I want to just preface it by saying that Every person can start a relationship with God by personally trusting Jesus for salvation. And underline the word personally there. No one can respond in faith for you. So husbands listening, your wife can't respond for you. You're not going to get to heaven on your wife's faith. Kids listening, your parents' faith isn't going to get you to heaven. No, There's no coattails in heaven. Your, your friends can't save you. Your a relationship with your pastor can't save you. Every individual person has to personally make a response of faith to Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says in Romans 10, 9. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I see in that verse the right info and the right attitude, right? If you declare that Jesus is Lord, right? So that means you know that Jesus is who God says he is. And if you believe in your heart that God raised him from your dead. So they're raised him from the dead. I see in that both the right info and the right. It's the info that he's resurrected, that the tomb is empty, but it's also with this attitude of faith, right? You believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. That's it. There's not a big list. It's just declaring it and believing it. Or I, I think it makes more sense to say you believe it and then you declare it. I don't think the order matters right there, but I think when you have that, that, when you're cut to the heart, like what happened in Acts chapter two with those people listening to Peter's sermon, they said, what should we do? Right. And he said, repent and believe. And that's what we want to invite people to do even today to repent and believe. And Eric, we have a, I don't know what's called a sinner's prayer, right? There's nothing magical about this, these words, but I think it's helpful to guide people through a sinner's prayer. If they're listening to this today, saying, I want to do this. I want to have, I want to place my faith in Jesus Christ. Eric, can you lead us through that sinner's prayer? Yeah, but before before we get to that, I just wanted to say some people are going to be like, man, this sounds too easy. All I got to do is say, say a few words, you know, and this is where we've got to rest and rely on everything we've learned up until this point. We've got to go back to this idea. I have to trust that Jesus is enough by his power and his work alone, can I be saved? And so it is just that easy. Um, and so it, 
we've got to trust that when we do what the Bible says, and we trust the truth about who Jesus is with the right attitude, that he's going to fulfill his promise. Mm. That's really what we're trusting. And so a prayer that I would lead someone through would sound like this. Um, and if you're, on, if you're listening to this right now, you want to pull over if you're driving or wherever you at, and you want to pray along with us, this is, this is how I would pray, something simple. And I'd say, repeat after me. Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner. I know that you died on the cross and rose from the dead so that I could have life. I'm turning from my sin now, and I'm turning to you in faith. I trust in you alone to forgive my sin and to give me new life. Thank you for this free gift. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, John, for the person who prayed that prayer, you know, maybe later today or tomorrow morning, they're going to wake up and they're going to say, wait, what? What? That's it? It's that simple? They, don't, they, they might wake up in the morning and say, I don't feel any different. What would you say to that, Pastor? I would say, first off, I can relate. You know, I've been a follower of Jesus now for over 40 years. And there are many, many times that I do feel like a new creation. But there are certainly times where I don't feel like God has made something new out of me. And in those times, I just, it's back to what Eric just said, I trust. I trust what God's Word says. I trust what Jesus himself said, that God's Word says that, that I'm a new creation now, that he has started something new in my life, uh, that he's written my name in the book of life, that I'm an adopted son now of the Almighty God of the universe. So I, I trust God's Word over my feelings on those days. So this sounds like the end to me but yet we're only at topic six out of 12. How in the world could there be more lessons? This sounds like this culminating moment for people to say, I'm a Christian now. People who prayed that prayer and trusted Jesus for salvation and personally responded would say, hey, I'm a Christian now. That's it. It's over. It's done. Now, I'm, now I can just go, just know that I'm going to go to heaven someday when I die. I don't have to be afraid of eternity. I don't have to be afraid of hell. That's all true, right? Mm-hmm. What what more? What more could why? How could we only be halfway through the pursuit series? Isn't this the end? Well, that it, oh sorry. No, I was just gonna say the Bible does say that when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we are saved from separation from God, from our sins. We're we're saved from hell and we're going to heaven, like you just said. But we're not only saved from something; we're saved to something. We're saved to follow Christ, to be little Christs in the world now. That's what Christian means. Now we're going to go take this message to the ends of the earth, and we're going to learn how to follow Christ more closely, to become more like Him, and to teach others about Him. Yeah, the verse that we just used, Romans 10, 9, the, the translation I grew up memorizing as a kid was, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, Mm. and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Well, that word confess, as Eric said earlier in the podcast, means to agree with. So when I confess that Jesus is Lord, I'm agreeing with God, I'm agreeing with Jesus himself that, that you call the shots now. You are Lord. You have authority over my life. I don't have authority anymore. So what does that mean? And that's what we're going to start looking at in these next lessons. What does that mean that we no longer sit on the throne? Yeah, and those and and the the life change that it produces that we'll talk about in these next few lessons doesn't change our salvation. We're right. saved because it's one hundred percent by what Jesus did, 
but it should, like you said, we're saved to something, Eric. So it is going to, it's going to mean a change for us. And that's what we're going to be covering over these next few episodes. So make sure to join us next time. And if this episode, if this lesson is helpful for you or for a friend that you know, I just encourage you to share this with a friend. And again, find discussion questions and videos and a a bunch of helpful stuff to go along with this lesson at pursuegod.org forward slash go. This is lesson six. And we'll see you next time for lesson seven. Hey, listeners, this is Brian Dwyer reminding you to rate this show on your favorite podcast app. That really does help us when you do that. That way more people can discover this podcast and start listening. And also, don't forget to share the podcast with a friend.